I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Matt Cheney. Uh, Matt's a real estate investor, uh, a Tony Award winner, which I find very cool, and author of a best-selling book, Backstage Guide to Real Estate. So uh, Matt, first of all, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Jason, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me to be on. Absolutely. Would you kind of give us, give us and the listeners your, your background? Let us know kind of where you started and, and uh, how you got to where you're at now. I moved to New York City from Orlando, Florida in 1992 to pursue a career in theater. Uh, I was a professional actor for five years. I was in 15 different productions across the United States. And then around 1997 or so, I started tinkering around with computers on the side and found that I could do that instead of waiting tables in between acting gigs. Uh, I used to be a waiter at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York. So I, I eventually created my own boutique agency and 2001 came around. Do you remember 2001? Mm -hmm. The big yes. dot-com bubble burst. Yep. And I was doing digital marketing. So my business was imploding. I mean, it was, it was unreal. Um, everybody was either going out of business or not spending money on any digital marketing projects. And right at that time, the landlord for the apartment I was renting told me I had 90 days to get out. So I was in quite a pickle. Uh, I needed to find a new place to live in New York uh, with a very, uh, not, not a very good balance sheet from a, from a work perspective, not really a, a job or anything. And uh, it, it seemed like mission impossible, honestly, Jason. I mean, it was, it was a really tough time for me. Um, but what I ended up doing was I found, I, I got a job in-house at Showtime. They were a client of mine. So they offered me a position to go in there and work. So I did that. And I was looking to rent an apartment on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That's the place I wanted to live. But my sister lived up in Washington Heights, which is about 30 minutes further north. And she saw an ad on a bulletin board for an apartment, co-op apartment that was for sale. And I ended up deciding to buy that apartment. And it was a little bit less actually to pay the mortgage payments than, than the, what the rent would have been. So that was sort of the main impetus for me. But also I knew I would be gaining equity, you know, gaining some ownership equity. I didn't know it was called equity back then uh, in, in a property. About two and a half years later, I sold that property and I saw my initial investment into the property more than quadruple. And I was like, wow, <laughs> how do I do that again? Because right. that was amazing and, and, and extremely powerful. And so from there, I went on and started investing in real estate. I mean, I've got another primary residence, and then I bought a piece of land uh, and developed a house on there, which became a, a rental, uh, a, a short-term rental type property. And then I ended up buying a duplex. 
I, I met my wife, we got married, we were gonna have a kid, we needed something a little bigger than the one bedroom we had on the Upper West Side at that point. So we moved out to Brooklyn, and I bought a two unit property. So I was able to rent one of the units and uh, help really defray our mortgage costs. And we lived in the other unit. It's, it's traditionally known today as a house hack, if you've heard the right, term house right, hack or, you right. know, but, but I didn't know that term back then. I don't know if it even <laughs> existed, but that's what I did. Um, and then my wife got a really cool job opportunity in Miami. And when we moved to Miami is when I left the corporate world. I had been working at that point for 18 years doing digital marketing type projects in New York, working at different advertising agencies um, and climbing that corporate ladder, eventually becoming a vice president at a, at a large advertising agency. Um, and I sort of left that behind uh, when we moved to Miami and I decided to pursue career, uh, theater. I'm sorry, <laughs> pursue real estate. I decided to pursue real estate as my career. That's what I wanted to do. And that was a little over six years ago. Um, shortly after deciding to do real estate, I originally thought I was going to do fix and flips. I found out about real estate syndication and that's, it was, that's what I had been looking for. I just never knew. I, I wanted to go bigger in scale. I just didn't know how. And anyone who's listening to your podcast, I'm sure they know, but if they don't, maybe they're a first time listener. Syndication is where a bunch of investors can pool their resources together and get these larger properties that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. So um, I got involved in that about six years ago. And at this point I do, uh, I have a pretty large portfolio, two thirds of my portfolio are deals that I invest in passively, real estate, uh, passive investments. And the other third are deals that I'm a general partner on. And I, you know, work on the acquisition of the property and the operations of the property and, and the whole nine yards. Sure. sure. And that's basically it. Yeah, that's it. Just that, just that all of that, uh, we'll, we'll unpack some of that, but, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great story. And, and I think it's funny you brought up, you know, sort of the house hacking term, because I, I mean, I don't, maybe I wasn't familiar with the terms, but I feel like terms like house hacking or like burr, things like that just weren't, it's like house hack. You mean get roommates that helped me pay for my mortgage? Yeah, I did that. Like, in 2000 like I did that a long time ago like I but I didn't call it anything it was just like oh we have a roommate that's it that's how it goes. so I think the the concept of that that it's that it's now a thing that people talk about and oh you should house hack that's a good way to get started it's true uh and maybe it's good that it has a name but it's just kind of funny that I, I feel like probably a lot of people have been doing that it's just in a way it's just called surviving right you're like, like I can't pay these bills I, I need to bring someone in to help with them but uh yeah it's it's a funny a funny thing when I hear some of those terms um so you're you're investing both as an an LP and a GP um first off what what markets are you are you investing in are you are you investing in New York or uh kind of staying out in some of the other, I don't know, let's say more traditional uh, markets? Well, the Northeast, I think, is really great um, for, depending exactly where, but the Northeast is pretty good for capital preservation, right? Mm -hmm. But for growth, not necessarily. The, I mean, there are exceptions, right? So, so no, I don't have very much um, in, in the Northeast. I have invested in a couple of things. I, I invested in this, this townhouse that, that we... Uh, house hacked and live in now. Um, but beyond that, not really much currently up here. I've done a couple projects. So mainly in the South, 
Southeast, uh, Midwest, uh, you know, a lot of things in uh, Texas. Uh, you know, if, if you want to talk about things that I'm a general partner in, that's more specific. That's Kansas City, Dallas, and Houston. Um, but in terms of just the overall investments, I have I either have now or have had investments in in Georgia, which I, I know is where you you've done a lot of stuff. Um, Florida, um, Oklahoma, Arizona, uh, just kind of a little all over the place. Tennessee, uh, Kansas, Missouri, yeah, yeah. But and a lot of those are the you know sort of landlord friendly, higher cash flow type of markets that that I think a lot of people are looking for. And and you know as you mentioned, yeah. the Northeast is uh, it's a, a different beast in terms of real estate and investing the same thing here. And I live in Los Angeles. It's just, there's probably not going to cash flow a lot. You hopefully can get a you know, fair bit of appreciation over time. Like, like you did with your, mm-hmm. your initial property. I mean, you, if you quadrupled your investment in, in a short time, that that's the kind of stuff that, that you can sometimes see in the, in, you know, New York city at Los Angeles, Boston, that kind of thing. But, but if you want, you know, true cash flowing, with some appreciation, then some some of the markets you you named make a lot more sense. So you said Kansas City, Dallas, and Houston for your for yes. your general partnership. That's right. Yeah, and so what uh, what role do you play as a general partner? What are you doing? You're kind of doing everything, or you you have a specific um, part that's that's you focus on. I do everything. No, I'm just kidding. But the, on some of my earlier deals, I did do almost everything. I brought in an, an experienced partner, but um, I, I, I did a, a lot of, of the vast majority of the work. At, at this point, I have two other general partners that I tend to work with a lot. And while I think all of us could do our own, uh, you know, could maybe run the whole deal, we have found certain things that, that we like to do that we're very good at that maybe the other guy doesn't want to do as much. For instance, uh, one of the partners uh, used to be an actuary and he's just, he's all about numbers. He loves numbers and numbers are very important in real estate, but I can't say that like the most exciting thing to me to do is to look at the general ledger on a monthly basis and go line by line and every item. He loves doing that. (laughs) So I'm like, great, you do that. Um, And so what I've been involved in, one of the other partners is a little bit more on the acquisition side and he lives in Texas. So that makes things a little bit better being that I live in New York. Um, Although I'm in Texas and Kansas City very often, I travel a lot. Uh, I'm more in charge of, um, you know, I'm, we're all involved in the underwriting and making an offer and things of that nature. And then, you know, when we're in the the throes of the actual acquisition from, you know, once we have the purchase and sale agreement signed until the time that we close, I'm involved a little bit in the due diligence, but my main thing you know, with the marketing background and just because I like playing around with graphics programs and things like that, I put together the investor presentation and all the emails and any videos and any of that kind of uh, marketing type of collateral. And I worked in digital marketing. I was a project manager, but I think just being in the business, a lot of that rubbed right. off on me over time. Right. So I tend to focus a little bit more on that. Um, and then when it comes, once we've closed on the property and we're looking at the operations, that's when my PMI certification, I'm a PMI certified project management professional. That's when that really kicks into gear because I, over 18 years in the advertising world, I was in charge of managing people and budgets and timelines. And so I do the same thing. I'm managing people and budgets and timelines just in the real estate world instead of in the advertising world. So I'm very much involved 
on, on the weekly calls with our um, project, uh, our, our property managers. Um, and we look at different KPIs and see how things are going. And my other general partners are on the, the, those calls as well. And I tend to spearhead um, the interior renovations and also the market studies and uh, you know understanding what's going on in that market, what we're doing from a marketing perspective and how we're pricing the property. And you know whether we're getting a good return on investment for this kind of premium, maybe we'll, we'll decide to, you know, hey, you know, it seems like this market, maybe granite countertops would make sense. Looking at the competition, let's try it out, see what it is. What's our return on investment for doing that? What can we really rent those units out for? How quickly do they rent? Does that make sense? So I do a lot of that. Um, that part of um, the management on the property. One of my other partners, um, who's a little bit more on the acquisition side, he does a little bit more of the capex. He has a lot of experience with the the exterior renovation type things, right? Mechanicals and roofs and all of that kind of thing. And then, like I said, uh, the other guy is a little bit more on sort of the numbers and financials and dealing with the lender. So those are kind of the lanes that we have organically found that work well for us. Um, but we can step in uh, others' shoes as needed uh, if there's help needed in, in in any of those areas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it probably makes sense to have knowledge of of each component, right? It's like every partner, as you as you mentioned, you you probably could do it on your own, right? You can figure it out, but it's it's going to be overwhelming. And uh, there's just so much that goes into a syndication, you know, with all those different aspects. And so it's like having people, you know, it's, it's great to have a numbers person. It's great to have an asset manager. It's great to have someone who uh, is good with, you know, the due diligence, capital raising, like just having different focuses and strengths is that's why that's why you partner with those people is it's like if, if you were all really good at one particular thing, the same one thing, then it may be that partnership, although you might get along well, it may not be as effective for these, you know, sort of running these syndications. So makes makes total sense. Um, so you're the, you said, it's interesting that the, the PMI, the project management uh, certification, yeah. that is something that you got kind of in the, in the digital marketing world. And yeah, and then it's, yeah, it's, I love that. I love that connection, just people's, you know, the past part of your life that you maybe not, you wouldn't think necessarily, oh, digital marketer, you know, worked, worked on Broadway, th these kind of things. You might not put two and two together, but really those skills are a part of everything and kind of really help you focus on, again, those, those components of the syndication. So it's, it's all, all the past life experiences. And I find that with with really all my guests, like almost none of us sort of started out like I'm going to be a real estate syndicator. That's not it. When when you when you ask kids what do you want to be when you grow up, but I don't. It, it's not it's not one of the things that's usually on the list. <laughs> and so, who knows? Maybe now because it's become so popular, maybe it will be. Maybe maybe future generations, kids will be like, I, yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to I'm going to own real estate. But it's it's something that all of the life skills that you've you know sort of put together up to that point can really really help you in in that area um yeah when you're when you're looking at markets how did you how did you i think this is a good thing for people to kind of understand how different people analyze markets and decide where they want mm. to invest how did you 
how did you come up with the, I know I know Houston very well I used to live there but um, how did you kind of come to the conclusion that those were good markets for you <laughs> so um, I, I <laughs> I'm a little non-traditional with this you might not like my answer um, there's, there's no wrong I'm answers. very much come from the world of um, I wanted to just kind of like close my eyes and throw a dart at a map of the U.S. and see where it landed. I got involved in the in, when it came to syndication. So when it came to syndication, look, I knew I was living in Miami at the time. I knew I wasn't going to do it in Miami. Mm -hmm. I, the, 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 the real estate prices in South Florida seemed ludicrous to me, and I, and I didn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to it. It felt more like speculation than investment. Um, and, and the same thing with New York. I mean, look, I was lucky with that, that first apartment that, that the real estate market did so well. I also did a lot of improvements on the property, which is, which is a whole other thing, but, um, but, but I, I but it wasn't just the improvements of the property it was that the market did so well. That's why it went up in value so high, so quickly. Um, when it came to, when it came time to start doing the syndications, I looked at, um, I was looking in Ohio. And I was looking in Ohio because my cousin lived in Ohio and I had started flipping houses in Ohio because it was a lot more economical and it made a lot more sense to me to do it there versus Miami. And my cousin lived there and my cousin was my best friend in my, uh, sorry, my best man in my wedding. Um, my aunt and uncle also lived there. And so there was people that I knew and family, you know, it wasn't just some completely random town. And so when I started looking into syndication, since I was going there and I had already built like a little bit of network from the house flipping I was doing there, I, I tried that. I couldn't really find anything that made sense. And I was living in Miami at the time. So I started looking in Orlando because my parents live in Orlando. And I looked at a number of things and got into best and final. But again, prices were astronomical. Um, and then the third place that I decided to look. This is over a period of two years, by the way. From the time I decided I wanted to do real estate syndication to the time I closed on my first deal was a two-year period. Um, I decided to start looking at Kansas City. And Kansas City doesn't seem like an obvious choice to a lot of people, but the reason why was I did a show in Kansas City years and years ago when I was an actor. And I was very naive at the time. I was in my 20s, my mid-20s. And I thought I was going to sit, be sitting around watching like corn grow. And I got to the city and it was incredibly metropolitan, just like the old music. There's a song for, I think it's from Oklahoma, right? Everything's up to date in Kansas city it's from a musical. So uh, everything is up to date in Kansas city. Yeah, I was totally yeah. wrong and it was very <laughs> cool. And I had one of the best summers of my life. I really had a wonderful, wonderful summer there. So because of that, and I think because of my naivete at the beginning going into that, I just have a soft spot in my heart for Kansas City. I just love Kansas mm -hmm. City. And one of my best friends moved to Kansas City with his wife. So I said, why don't I go? This was my old college roommate, like really, really close friends. So I said, why don't I go to Kansas City? At least I'll hang out with them for a week and hopefully meet with some brokers and property managers. And I started looking at deals and they made sense. I actually think that there are a lot, like, most markets in the United States, there are sub-markets within the markets that are good. There are certain places that aren't really great for investment. A lot of people uh, pick on Detroit, okay? A lot of people say, well, Detroit doesn't do very well, and there's a lot of problems in Detroit. 
which which I'm not saying that that's the case or not. I haven't really done a lot of research on Detroit, but I do know for a fact that there are a lot of suburbs around the outskirts of Detroit that actually are really good and really great for investment. So I believe that you can kind of pick any large MSA and within there find a sub-market that is, that is doing well. And when I've worked on deals, when I've looked at deals with people, I was working, I was working with a guy one at one point, um, really great guy from uh, Silicon Valley who does, um, he's an analytics guy. And so he, I mean, like mega analytics guy, amazing guy's brilliant. And he put together a whole spreadsheet with all the different metrics of this market and that market and da 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 da, da and came up with he, what he thought is the top 10 markets, which I probably could have told you what they were only because they're the ones that everybody knows and they're the ones that everyone's going after. And if you're going after the markets that every single person is going after, look, I, I, we acquire properties in Dallas. Dallas is on the list, right? But it makes things hard. And I think the only reason why we've actually been able to be successful in Dallas without having to like overpay, which is one way you could be successful, is uh, through one of my partners who lives there, who's been doing this for a very long time and has deep, deep relationships with brokers and property managers. And we're acquiring fairly, I would say, large properties that, um, you know, 30 to $100 million uh, price tags that not everybody's able to, to, to purchase. And I think the fact that we have those relationships, they know us, they know that we can close, they know that we're good trading partners, we don't retrade and things of that nature, we're easy to work with. Um, I think both buyers, uh, sorry, both the brokers and the sellers like that. And that's why we've been able to make a dent in that market. But I I do think that just looking at those metrics um, doesn't isn't always the best way to go. But obviously, you want to look at certain things. You don't want to go, move it, go and buy something in a in an area that's declining. You want to see population growth. You want to see employment. My first deal that I bought was in Lawrence, Kansas. So it's outside of Kansas City. It's between Kansas City and Topeka. It's actually its own MSA, and it does not have phenomenal growth. And it's a smaller city. It's a population of around 100,000. Uh, growth for the past 100 years has been about 1% per year. Um, growth projected for the next 100 years is about 1% per year. So it's like slow and steady, and it's a great market. I love that town. It's an awesome town. And um, the thing that we found a, a property that was not really being, um, it wasn't really being utilized well. I mean, I think the operations were, were not as fine-tuned as they could be. And the ownership had owned the property for like over 12 years and hadn't really spent any money. And they, when they bought it, it was already, you know, 20 years old. And so it was tired. It was worn and it needed someone to come in there do renovations, exterior and interior to bring the, the market, the rents were way below market to be able to bring the, the rents up to the regular, you know, average of that market. And we did it and it was successful. And there wasn't anything particularly spectacular about that town. I mean, I think this is actually a really good sort of discussion and, and points that you're making because the there's a lot, a lot of talk about market analysis and, and, you know, running all these numbers and stuff, but I think from a, from a very simplistic view, you could say, well, the places that everybody is trying to invest, probably the metrics are good, right? Like you don't necessarily have to like 
reinvent the wheel. If, if everybody wants to be in Dallas, there's probably a reason for that, right? The metrics are good. You do have to make sure that the, the, the numbers work for your property. Uh, but if you're looking at maybe the places that, that are less, you know, I guess less popular, maybe, maybe like a Lawrence, Kansas or something, it still comes down to the same thing, right? Do you, can you get the returns that you're expecting for your investment protocols, right? So if, if you want high cash flow, but maybe you don't care so much about appreciation, there are markets that are good for that. If you're looking for the appreciation plays and you're going to hold it for a long time, there are markets that are good for that. And if you try and get, you know, maybe don't do what everybody else is doing, then you're going to have less competition for those properties as well. So you might get them at a lower basis. You won't, we won't be having to overpay, like you said. So it's, it's, I mean, it's, you can't just go in blindly, but I do think a lot gets said about the analytics on it. And it's like you said that your, your friend who did so much analytics and then just came up with the same markets that everybody's investing in already. So it's kind of like, okay, well, why don't I just look at what it's, it's people say it all the time. If you want to get to, you know, learn how to do syndication or you, whatever you're trying to get to look at someone who's already doing it successfully and do what they're doing. And it's, you could say that same thing about choosing a market, right? If it's, Yeah. And also it's just the, the other thing is that it's so hyper local, right? Because right. there are places yeah. in Dallas that are not good to invest. Right. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, you know, even, and it just depends too on what you're, what you're looking for, what type of returns you're looking for, what your risk tolerance mm -hmm. is. Uh, you know, in, in Los Angeles, cap rates are three, sometimes less than three. I mean, it's, it's, it's very low, probably the same thing in New York City, like really yeah. low cap rates. Uh, a lot of the other cities though, like, the, like Dallas and, and Austin and Atlanta, like a lot of these other cities that traditionally were, um, places that people like to invest, a lot of those cap rates are now compressed. So it's not that far off. And so now it's like, well, if, if you're going to have a cap rate of three and a half or four in Dallas, but three in LA, like what's the, what's the, there's not a huge difference then in terms of what you're trying to, to achieve. And you're, it's just, it, you have to figure it out. I think it's individual to what you're looking for in your investment thesis really. And, and so I, I love that you said, you know, well, I just, I like this place. I have a connection to it, whether that's, you know, a friend, someone there, I, I think that stuff matters. And I think it's not stuff that gets talked about very often. It, it's, you know, when, when choose, if you don't know, you can do all the Linux analytics on paper, but if you know no one in a particular market, it's going to be hard to kind of get in there. So, so maybe those connections have more meaning than, than the actual you know, some of those market numbers do. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I actually, you said I might not like your answer. I actually liked your answer a lot. And, and it, was, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me that the sort of uh, what, the common sense side of choosing your market more than, more than just the analytics. Um, I mean, because if you're going to do the analytics, like I said, you're going to come up with the same, everyone's going to come up with the same 10 cities. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, it's like, if you really do the analytics, maybe you'll come up with the one that's emerging. 
I guess, right? Mm -hmm. you, maybe yeah. you might cut, you know, yeah. I feel like two years ago, Boise, Idaho was not a thing that anyone talked about. And then now it's a hot market. So, I mean, there I think you if you can get in there yeah. ahead of time, great. But I mean, ultimately then that if you don't, then you're elevating the amount of risk that you're taking. It may pay off very well, but if you don't already know that it's one of the markets that people really want to invest in, are you going to have buyers when you want to exit that deal? So it's just kind of a, there's a lot to consider, but um, ultimately it comes down to your, your investment thesis and your risk tolerance. I mean, those are the main, main components. Um, really cool. So why don't we, Matt, let's, let's switch gears a little bit to um, the portion where I, I like to ask uh, the guests a few questions. We have a, a sort of standard four. So um, the first one is based on the name of the podcast being Know Your Why. So, so what is your why? What, what drives you uh, to kind of keep pushing towards more success? My, my family, my two girls. And my wife too, but I have two, I have two little girls, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old awesome. and they mean the world to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, anyone who's probably ever listened to even one episode knows that's my, my kids. It's just, they just push me. Uh, they don't know they're pushing me because they're too young, <laughs> but they, they push me to do, do more and more, uh, every day. So I, I totally understand that sentiment. That's a, it's a, uh, common theme, I, I think. Um, so second question is, maybe tell us something that uh, people don't know about you, something that's not common knowledge. Uh, I know you've got the the Tonys sitting back there behind you, so that's that's pretty cool. You can use that and tell the story. It's a good story, but if there's something else that's uh, unknown, go go ahead. So I don't know if there's anything else that's unknown. I'm a pretty uh, open book. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't think of anything that, you know, the thing that I think that makes me unique, which is what you just alluded to is the fact that you know, I still have a passion for, for theater and the arts. I, I think they're very important to me and my life and, and my wife, because my wife's full-time job is uh, working in the theater on the business side of things. And so we've been fortunate enough to uh, be able to uh, first start investing in some theatrical productions. And then um, we have then gone on and we, we've been co-producers of two Broadway shows um, that we won Tony Awards for last summer. So that's really exciting. So we are two-time Tony Award winners and we're working on some new projects now too. We're, we're helping, trying to help bring some new new work to the stages. We'll see what happens. That stuff can sometimes take years and years and years and years, but yeah. um, you know, we, it's something that we're, that's important to us and um, you know, and, and not just fancy glitzy flashy stuff, which we like too, but a lot of times we get involved in shows that have a social message that we connect with. And so we like to do that. And I think theater can um, you know, maybe have people look at something from a different perspective that they, you know, that they haven't necessarily looked at a subject at uh, from from that viewpoint before, and I think uh, for that reason, it's it's it can be a really important thing for 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 the world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think especially in the times we're in, having having a, I don't know if it's a distraction or but whatever, something, <laughs> some joy, some enjoyment, something to yeah. that doesn't remind you of of how many <laughs> how much sickness there has been. So uh, I think yeah. that that's that's really great. Um, I'm curious, this may not, this may be a dumb question. When you say 
invest in these shows. How, yeah. how does that look? Like, is that a thing that anybody uh, can do? Or how, how does that I'm kind of- you asked that question. Um, I'll tell you a story. So I, the first time I found out about syndications, I'd heard people talking about it on podcasts. I was like, oh, what is this? And I went to a seminar in Dallas and it was all about syndications. And it was like, it was a 30,000 foot view level. It wasn't just like apartment syndications. There was people who were syndicating assisted living facilities and storage, you know, self-storage and mobile home parks. There was someone there who was trying to syndicate a geothermal, she was like a geothermal engineer and she was gonna make a, a geothermal power plant, okay? So, I mean, you could really syndicate anything. Yeah. And they start talking about 506C and 506B and the 506C, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I, wait, I know, that's how we invest in the Broadway shows because that's what it is. They're 506 C. And it was just like, I was like, Oh, I didn't like, I, I knew I, when we invested in the shows that I filled out a private placement memorandum and a subscription agreement, I okay. knew I had done all that stuff and I knew it said 506 C on it, but I guess I just never really realized that that also was done for real estate. I don't know. So yeah, the, the, the most Broadway shows, the vast majority of them are set up as a syndication. I mean, some of them, like I think uh, all the Disney stuff, right? Like the Lion King, that's done by Disney. They don't, uh, they don't syndicate. They don't need them. help for money. They've got, <laughs> right. they've got plenty. <laughs> but, but most, the vast majority of the shows do it um, as a as a five hundred six C. That's very cool. Yeah, I, ha I had no idea that, that. That's why, like when you said that, I'm like, I'm not sure what that means uh, in terms of the. To me, when I. I'm a big sports fan. So to me, the thing I mm -hmm. knew about in terms of syndication was buying sports teams where it's like mm. most of the time it's not occasionally, yes, like a billionaire comes along and buys a sports team, but most of the time it's actually a group and there'll be, you know, a, a number of people. And so they're all, you know, kind of pulling their money. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny how, <laughs> again, we talk sort of what your background is, what uh, it, sort of shapes how you might think about these things. So cool. Thank you for, thank you for explaining that. Um, sure. Matt, what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they, they hear this and they want to connect what, what would you, uh, we'll put whatever you want in the show notes, but how do you um, like to be contacted? Best way to reach me is on my website, P-I-C-H-E-N-Y, P like in Peter. It's uh, pacheni.com. And uh, you said you'll put that in the show notes so yeah. people can click on the link from there. But uh, on my website, you can find out about my book, which is also on bookstores everywhere. And um, you can also sign up for the newsletter. I've got some blog articles about, a lot of blog articles about real estate syndications and things like that. So it's a good resource, I think, for people who are, are interested in this. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And then final question, what... What advice would you have for people that are, you know, considering getting started in real estate? What would you, what would you tell them uh, to help them kind of be motivated or, or even if it's a tactical tip? Um, read my book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it, 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 it can't, it could be interesting because, you know, what I did, what I do in the book is like, I go through my whole journey from starting, not knowing anything and buying that first apartment. And then by the end of the book, I'm doing air rights deals and 1031 exchanges. And so through that whole book, I teach the 18 different keystone concepts that I learned along the way. And I also define 60 different real estate terms. So that all to really come around and to, to honestly say like, 
whether it's my book or not, doesn't really matter, but get educated, right? Yeah. And whether you want to be an active investor or a passive investor in either case, the education is really important. You need to spend some time, some effort, and probably some dollars in getting educated mm-hmm. um, so that you really understand the subject matter um, and, and can really <laughs> look at things and, 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 and have a good understanding of it. And that, I mean, I... I told you it took me two years to get my first deal. And during those two years, I did a lot of learning. I listened to a gazillion podcasts. I read a ton of books. I joined mentorship groups. I went to conferences. Um, You know, I basically, it was almost like going to college again, right? I just learned all these different things because it's it's something you you really want to be, even if you're just a passive investor, you want to be educated so that you understand what you're getting into. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes total sense. I, I, tell people, I, I mentioned to you before, I'm a veterinary surgeon and we have to do, mm-hmm. to get to that, we have to do what's called a residency. So it's a, a specific, you're training in your discipline for a number of years before you can get board certified. And I tell people I've I've now done my second residency in, in real estate because it really does, there, there's a lot to be educated on. And then it, it, it comes down to you know, getting educated and then doing and, and taking those steps and, and putting them in action. So I, I think I think reading your book is a is a perfect piece of advice. I mean, I think having it laid out for people uh, in a fashion that's understandable and relatable, I think is super important. And I, I so I, I think it'd be a great, great place for people to start. Yeah, there's other good books out there too. Uh, yeah. but but any 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 Read sort your of book and I then was, they can move on to other books eh, whatever i just i just think any sort of education I, look i had to plug it a little bit right but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> any any sort of education i think listening to this podcast you know is is a good step and and continue to do that and continue to grow and expand your circle and learn more and more is the key to success i am constantly joining new groups or masterminds or reading new books as they come out you know to try to I think we're, we can, all of us can always be learning. And so I think that is yeah, one of the keys absolutely. to success. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Matt, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for, for coming on and uh, had a great chat with you today. So, so again, thank you very much. That was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll sign off everyone. Have a good day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.